בארץ השם יזברך We continue where we are learning the holy letters of the Balatanya, letter number 12. Where we are learning this holy letter for quite some time. We're coming now to the end of the letter. The end meaning the culmination of the letter. Last few shiurim to explain this letter so we could have a complete panoramic view of an inner understanding of the two modes of consciousness that God designed for the world to be in. where one mode is known as Maisa, activity, and the other mode is known as Avoida, which means that activity that's infused with an entire person's being. We are going very deep into this concept for some time because we've explained then chapter 36 and 37 in Tanya, where the Holy Balatanya lays out the purpose of the world. He explains that this purpose, part of the purpose has to do with an activity, just fulfilling the purpose active-wise, just that the purpose alone should be experienced in this world is already enough. And then that we should understand the purpose, we should feel the purpose, we should live the purpose. To, to do our work with the, with the internalization, integration, inter, inter-inclusion, a tremendous beauty, tferes, a tremendous Intertwinement, a tapestry, a mosaic, meaning a mosaic to make a unity, a mosaic of the purpose of the world with every moment of your life should be imbued with that purpose. How different is it? How different is this moment? How sensitive are you in your marriage if you realize that you're married at the time when you say the things you say? How different is your is the meaning in your relationship, if you remember your chuppah, if you remember your commitment, if you remember your obligation, if you realize that you're being tested now, if you realize that your talent and your powers and your energy is being expressed at this moment right now. So to do acts of kindness and acts of love and acts of communion and communication with each other, to interact with people all the time, actively, even superficially, as long as it's unifying, it's wonderful. But to be fully cognizant of your purpose means to be imbued, to, for a person to invest his will, his pleasure, his intelligence, his emotions, his whole entire soul into the activity he's doing. And that's why we are going very deep into this to understand this, because when we say that 
Chassidic philosophy was a secret. When we say that the words of the living God that the Balshemtiv said is a prerequisite to being to the revelation of the living God in the Messianic era. It's a prerequisite that we learn the words of the living God. We learn Divri Alekim Chaim. We learn Chassidic philosophy. We learn Chassidus. We'll usher in the Messianic era. We need to understand what that means. That means that a simple person had no insight into how a tzaddik looked at the world. A simple person had no insight into how an enlightened person saw the world. A regular person like me and you has no opportunity to see the world the way a holy giant, the way the eyes of the Jewish people saw the world, the eyes representing the Moshe Rabbeinus of the generation. So while there was interaction with Moshe Rabbeinu, while there was interaction with the leaders of the generation, one could not glean, one could not whisper, one cannot be mesmerized by the vision that the Moshe of the generation saw. You can see Moshe, but you cannot see what he saw. But the Holy Baal Shem Tev came into this world with one mission, to teach the simple people, which today would mean the whole generation, bar a few people. But in the times of the Baal Shem Tev, he would sit and spend most of his time with the simple people. And he would give them insight. And as the generations get closer to the actual revelation of the Messianic era, it is this insight that we are given that what very few were able to do in Avoida, in actual act that was imbued with tremendous intention, meditation, tremendous soulful experience, tremendous visualization of the purpose, very few were able to do in practice. And the Holy Baal Shem Tev revealed that to the point that in our generation, as was the call of the Lubavitch, should have any person, no matter his stature, through studying these ideas and through obsessing over them, can take a leap, can take an elevator to a different floor of consciousness, to a different space where they can entirely transform their life, where it takes years of mental health or psychological studying or interaction, where a person can go way beyond that just by having complete clarity into the inner workings of the soul, the inner workings of the body, the inner workings of the ethereal, to understand the spiritual worlds, but to see them in my own body, to see them in my own existence. And that is why we are making a tremendous focus on this idea of avoid the satsadaka, that I work, because to understand this mode of consciousness is not something we naturally tend to. And to order fully to understand it, one must go deeper. One must realize that we are in touch with activity of a life. And activity alone is wonderful. It will usher in the messianic era when it's an activity of unity. If all my Torah mitzvahs is to unite with God, all my Torah mitzvahs is to unite with another person, that alone has brought meaning into the world. But to be fully imbued with that meaning, to be humble, 
to understand that that obligation and that opportunity is a humble one in its essence, to fully understand that marriage, the unity of marriage, is not really a unity where receiver is happy to receive from the giver, and in that space there's unity. Although that is unity, although that is intimacy, although that is peaceful, that is not an internal, an eternal or internal, never-ending, everlasting tranquility. And that's why the gift of the Messianic era is to hold that gift now, to be able to have a marriage that's enlightened. It's far more than a regular exterior unity where husband and wife, one is the giver and one is the receiver. Where there's no strife, God already exists, God's present. But where there's no strife and where boundaries are blurred, we're the understanding that the purpose of this world is not just for peace, but an internal and a never-ending peace, a peace that's far beyond time and space, a moment of bliss, a moment of true fusation, true equilibrium, where it's impossible, where you've reached a space of infinity in this world, you've, you've reached a place of ain't soif in this world, where you can't tell, you truly can't tell who is greater, husband or wife, because you have reached a place where there is no such a thing as measurement. You've reached a place where rich man and poor man are purely equal. You've gotten to a space where there's true unity, where there's no measurement at all, which is contrary to everything we know about this world, because the whole entire gullus is measurement. The whole entire six days of creation is each day is not the other day. The whole entire masculine idea is that the masculine is above the feminine. And the whole idea that the rich, the teacher, the, the, the father and mother are above the children, this whole idea is the product of Gullus. It is the product of birth itself, of life itself. And to understand this in its entirety, to understand the world, to transcend the world, to transform the world. That is the secret and the mystery of creation. To, to tap into compassion in its core, that not only is compassion to, for, the, for, the, for the one who's high up to give to the one who's low down, but for the one who's high up to give to the one who's low down, to transform that the one who's low down should become the giver as well. The giver to the one who's giving him. To understand this in its entirety is a humble experience because it is to tap into the essential purpose of God, the essential purpose of this world, but not just your essential purpose, my essential purpose. And that's what the Holy Balatanya explains in chapter 36. He says, <laughs> It is known that the purpose of this world is for God to make a dwelling place, a home in this world. And the Talmud says that every man is not a man without a home, man and woman. is not a man without a home. A husband and wife have no meaning. Whole entire existence has no meaning. If you don't have a home, you can never be at home. You never could express your essence. On the street, you're always wearing clothing. You're always 
narrowing yourself down. You're always conveying in your, in your work, you're conveying a facet of your personality. Every place you go, you're covering up the essence of who you are and you're revealing only a small part of you. But where you feel at home is in your house. And where do we get that from? We get that from our our keser. You see, we've talked about intelligence and emotions and making the emotions real. And that's the 10 energies of man, intelligence, emotions, making the emotions real, the body to hold them, to magnify them, to make them, to express them, the organs. But what is the life force beyond all of that? That is something called keser. That is my will. My will. What is my will before my intelligence, before my emotions, before my heart, before my activity? What is my will? What is every man's will? People spend years in a psychology room trying to understand what do they really want of life? They don't ask what do, what's my intelligence. They don't ask what's my heart. They, of course, ask these questions as well, but they really want to get to not only what am I good at in my job, but what do I really want out of life? It explains the Holy Balatanya. This question, he asked this question, every single mimer in Lukuditoyer, almost every mimer, why did my soul come down into this world? What's the will of the soul? What is the desire of the soul? And the answer is the desire of the soul is the same desire that God had. My keser, my desire, my hovering consciousness, the premise of who I am is to fulfill God's will. And God's will is, superficially, it looks like it's Torah Mitzvahs. Zivug, Chitzoini, is Torah Mitzvahs. The external will, the will nonetheless, the will of the, of the Hashem, Ratzon Hashem, is Torah Mitzvahs. But what's the Pnimius Ratzoini? What's the Choyfetz? What's the Chayfetz? What's the Tainug? What's the Atik? What is the depth of that will? Why does Hashem want Torah Mitzvahs? Until the Balshemtiv came in this world, we couldn't grasp those things. We had to do it Kabbalah Sol. We have to be surrendered. Just do Torah Mitzvah 6,000 years. Do it. That's your life. That's your everlastingness. That's your, the length of your days. But the Holy Balshemtiv came now to reveal to the simple people, to the whole entire generation, what's the reason for Torah Mitzvah? What's the reason for this will? What's the reason for this Keser? So I will only get fulfillment with my Torah mitzvahs. But the Holy Bala Shemtiv and the Holy Bala Tanya, they reveal to us that we don't only want your will. We don't only want you to will. We want you to feel pleasure in this will. We want you to know God's pleasure. And I want it to become your pleasure. And we want this pleasure of the world, the pleasure of life, the pleasure of your true desire should become cognizant in every single one of your ten energies. Should become cognizant in your chachma, in your bina, in your das, in your chesed, guru, tveris, in your natzachoyed, your soyed, malchus. Your whole being should become permeated with this pleasure. And that will usher in the messianic era. In the messianic era, we will all have this. But then we will say we were deprived of a choice to live like this now. That I shouldn't just live with the will. God's will, teire mitzvahs. My will, teire mitzvahs. Why? What's the pleasure in it? I'm surrendered to God's will. I don't care about the pleasure. That was till the Balshemtiv came on the scene. But now the Balshemtiv gave the instruction, the marching orders. 
that Yefutsa Maynasecha Chutsa, that these wellsprings have to come deep into my intelligence. My Chutsa, deep in, how is it going to transform my animal? How is my animal going to come refined and surrendered and transformed? How is my animal with the forbidden pleasures that it has, how is that forbidden pleasure going to be transformed to a godly pleasure? How am I going to use my my tachbulas, my manipulations to manipulate and do every type of advantage for compassion, for loving another person? How am I going to do that? Can I just do that surrendered will? I can sacrifice my nefesh Bahamas. I can sacrifice my physical action, my animalistic persona. But the Bashemtiv said, God wants more. He wants interaction. He wants negotiation. He wants real transformation. He wants that the Nevisha Bahamas in its ultimate power should live for God. He wants to love God and fear God and unite with God and follow God's compassion with a tremendous flame power. The whole Nevisha Bahamas should put his animalistic energy, the whole drive that I have for business should become the family business of compassion of Aravaram Avinu. If I sacrifice my love for this world, then do I stand a chance to love God with those energies, with the love that I have for this world? But if I could transcend that, if I could realize that I could want everything physical, want all the wealth, want to understand in all of these things so I could give it to another person, not to indulge in it, maybe to indulge in it in the past, but to have elevated, to understand what good meat tastes like, and to ultimately transcend that yearning for the good meat so I can give it to another. Now I know what it is and I know that I, that's not where my passion lies. Where I transform, I transport my passion to give what I have, the luxuries of what I have to another person. That is the ultimate lesson. The ultimate understanding is where my midois, my emotional attributes are all transformed with the purpose of life. And the purpose of life is not just the will of Torah Mitzvahs. It's why does God want Torah Mitzvahs? Because of a dwelling place. He wants a home in this world. A home where? A home in my intelligence. A home in my emotions. A home in my body, my temple. A home in my home. A home in my synagogue. A home in my workplace. What does that mean, a home? He wants, what, what does it mean? He wants that his compassion, and ultimately by reflection, and by extension, my compassion should reign free in this home, in this lowly world, that we should be obsessed with compassion. Why did he want a dwelling place in this low world where me and you, lowly people, simple people, with very little intelligence? Because he wanted to give us compassion. That's what it means. The reason for all the reasons of dwelling place down here is because God wants to give us compassion. But what is the ultimate sense of compassion? What is the pnimius, the pnimius, the pnimius? What is the dozen, the dozen, the dozen of compassion? Just because he wants to give us, make us receivers or because he wants to make us givers. He wants to allow us to give him. What does true compassion mean? True compassion is responsibility. He wants to allow us the gift of giving, to allow us the gift of creating, allow us to be in a space of immaturity, a space of femininity and to become the masculine. To become from the student, to become the teacher. Like Hashem says, you won me over. I want to make you, you think you're the receiver. You think I chose you, Matan Torah, to receive. I chose you to give. 
Not to give to you just so you should receive. To give you compassion, which means to give you the ability to give compassion. When I'm giving you, what am I giving you? Of course, I'm giving you, God says. But I'm not giving you so you should become a receiver. I'm giving you the gift of being able to give. I'm giving you the gift of being able to create. I'm giving you the darkness so you can make it light. I'm giving you the pen so you can write your script. I'm giving you your future. I'm giving you superficial time so you could make it quality time. I'm giving you darkness so you could bring in the light. I'm giving you poor people around you in all areas so you can give them. You might be the woman you think you can't give. I'm giving you the opportunity to give to your husband all the time, to give to your family all the time, to give nonstop, to give nurturing, to give sensitivity, to give creativity. But if you see yourself as a receiver, you'll never be happy. And the whole culmination of Golis is not to see ourselves as the Jewish people as receivers. The gift, the holy tzaddikim of the generations never saw themselves as receivers. They saw themselves as partners of compassion. And the gift the Balshemtev gave us was that we can transcend from a space of receivers from God. He gave them. He gave them Torah mitzvahs because he's giving them, because they're receivers, so he gave them because he's allowing them to give him. Where is God? Wherever you bring him in. So who's giving who? We're bringing God in. We're giving God. That's the malchus of Hashem. A woman is the crown of her husband. What does that mean? She's the crown of his husband. Could he be king on his own? She makes him king. She's given him everything. Without a woman, you're nothing. You're stuck to your bag, you're working all the time. If there's two twins, one's married, one's not. One's unsuccessful, one has nothing to show for. But the one who's successful, who made him, who gave him the ability, his wife, did his wife receive from him? Or did she make him the, is she the greatest giver in the world? And to understand this opportunity, that all the time, God's inner purpose is that he wants you to know that you're really a giver. So therefore, by extension, what is he giving you? He's giving you the ability that if you're a giver in any area to make everyone know that you're a giver. Because of God's giving the Jewish people the knowledge that they're givers. When is he giving it to us? Since the Balshemtiv came in the world, we got this revelation. That there's tainik boida, there's a pleasure that God has. And that we are giving God that pleasure. That means we become the givers. That means the greatest gift that God gave us is that we are not just receivers. So we are giving God. Everything that we do is a gift for God. So if we are getting that gift from God, and we have to imitate, we have to become partners. Means true compassion means that my job is to let my wife know that she's really giving me and I'm not giving her. And to not just to let her know, to live with that idea, zivik pnimi, inner unity, to make everyone, to give space for everyone to be able to give me. The poor man should know that I'm not any way better than him. My child should know that my child is already the adult to treat my child with tremendous respect, with tremendous love and empathy and compassion. Of course, we have to teach. Of course, we have to discipline. But where the purpose is to make the child the adult now, not to wait one day till it happens, to understand the tremendous opportunity, to understand that the whole opportunity of a giver is not to give actually, but to give them the knowledge that really givers.
Because ultimately speaking, what is the inner core, the inner working, the inner desire of Hashem? What is He really giving us? He's giving us the gift of knowing that we're giving to Him. Before the Messianic era, what's ushering in the Messianic era? What's the equilibrium in marriage between the Jewish people and God in the Messianic era? It's going to be that Ish and Isha is going to be equal. We will be one with God, meaning to say it will be revealed that in truth throughout Gullus, the feminine, the receiver thought that they're really the receiver, but the receiver was making the giver. And that's what means Malchus will be oila from oila Maza all the way higher. Malchus will go higher than Keser. The woman Shabbos will be higher than the Yomoy The poor people of, this, of, of, of Eretz Yisrael will be much higher than the wealthy people in America. That's what the Holy Balatanya spent his whole life feeding the poor people in Eretz Yisrael because he understood this idea and he shared with us this idea in the Holy Letters. The whole Holy Letters is based on letters that he wrote he begging the people of Chutzlar, of Yemoisa people who are living in the foreign lands, the wealthy people to, to give and support their brothers in the Holy Land. The land that represents Shabbos. The land that represents the receivers. But because they are not receivers at all. They are giving you the opportunity. They are much greater than you. And in your Moise Mashiach Malchus. In Moise Mashiach, the feminine attribute. In Moise Mashiach, the one, the Onibadas, the Russia, all the people that you thought, all the emptiness of the world will become the will be revealed that that emptiness, that was the opportunity. They were giving you far more than you're giving them because ultimately the Jewish people will realize as a collective, you thought you're the woman of God. You thought you're receiving. You have the ability. And that's why the feminine aspect, our receiver ability, whether we're a man or a woman, the receiver is always really the giver. And in that core, there's a blurring of the boundaries because as a giver or as a receiver, when you get to the depth of the core of the purpose of life, you can see that the receiver itself is never really the receiver. It's not a play on words. If you're receiving from your wife, you became a receiver. You're allowing your wife to give you, even if she's giving you all the time. You're not really a receiver. The receiver is really the giver. And that is Zivik Pnimi. Zivik Pnimi is to come to the realization that the goal of all of these things is to create a true harmony and a true synchronization. And to understand and to understand how it goes into every energy. So when you look at when you look at intelligence, is it intelligence of Torah Mitzvahs? Is God's intelligence Torah Mitzvahs? Or are we going to go to Zivik Pnimi? We're going to go, what is the core of this intelligence? It's the will. What's the core of the will? It's the attic. It's the pleasure. What's the core of this pleasure? Dwelling place down here in this world. What's the real dwelling place down here in this world? God's compassion. What's God's compassion? That he should give you? Or the deeper, Zivik Pnimi, as you go deeper and deeper, he gives you the ability to give him. So what's the highest form of kindness that God gave us? That he created us to receive? Or that he created us to receive the ability to give? Where he means he was mitzamtzum himself, he limited himself to receive. And God's highest pleasure is that he wants to receive from us because he makes us givers. So the deepest, most profoundest pleasure is the people who are receiving are really giving because they represent God in an infinite essence. Because the highest pleasure of God, 
Not his will, but his pleasure. What's his ultimate pleasure? When you give me, that's my real enjoyment. That's why tainu, pleasure is by the woman. Pleasure is by malchus. Pleasure is in Shabbos. Pleasure is in the poor man who receives the $100 bill. You think you enjoy your money, you have a million dollars. You never appreciate it in your life because you don't know what it means not to have it. You don't know what it means to receive. Why is receiving such pleasure? Giving is pleasurable, but it doesn't come close to the pleasure, the feminine pleasure of receiving. The feminine idea of a poor man getting $100 when he had nothing. Because that's filled with the purpose of this world. To receive. But ultimately speaking, why is that a pleasure? Because of receiving? No, because I'm allowing you to give. Because I'm mimicking God. Because I'm a partner with God. And these concepts, they blur the boundaries of intelligence. You understand how we transform? It's so hard. We have to listen to this. Sometimes I get you could think about this for hours because you're touching infinity with your intelligence. Your intelligence is going to an area that's of will, of pleasure, of infinity. And that is the gift of the Holy Baal Shem Tev and the Holy Baal Atanya, the gift of Mashiach, Mashiach, to tap into it now. With my intelligence, I could transcend intelligence because I could discover with my core of my brain something so profound. That the whole world thinks receiving is receiving. And Hasidic philosophy explains that God made this world where he's not here. That means he's receiving from us all the time. And that's his ultimate pleasure because he allowed us to become him. And when he watches himself give us the ability to create, the ability to give him, that is his greatest pleasure. Because in that space, even though he's receiving, he's also giving. And that's why in the Messianic era, we will see all receivers were really givers. The Chassid makes the Rebbe. The Talmud makes the Rav. The wife makes the husband. The queen makes the king. The child makes the father. And to, to hold that with tradition, to hold that with tremendous sensitivity, to hold that with majesty, to hold that with tremendous humility, to hold that obligation. Never to humiliate the receiver. Always to realize that the receiver is giving you far more. And in the ultimate scheme of consciousness, they're much higher than you. Because God is much greater than us. But God is the receiver in the relationship of Torah Mitzvah. Because God says, even Kiddush it's up to you. You make it. And all of these things are up to you. And to discover that now and to make that real in your marriage, in your relationships with everybody is the ultimate sense of compassion. And that is the mystery and the secret and the purpose of this world.